Welcome to live. Glad you guys are here. Uh, we are uh, in part two of four parts of a series called Bad Things. Let me recap. Last week, if you were not here, we are talking about a guy named Joseph. Uh, Joseph has 11 brothers. That's a lot of family. And they all hated him. I'm not just saying hated because that's the word I chose. That's the word in the Bible. They hated him. They became jealous of him. He was the last one born, and he was the favorite. He received a really cool coat. Don't know why a coat was so cool back in the day, but it was a really cool coat. He got his coat when he was 17 years old. His brothers were really ticked off at this, mo- at this point. And they're like, why does he get that cool coat? Why does he, he's a loser, he's all these things. Then they're out in the field. Joe says, hey, Dad, where are my brothers? Oh, they're in the field. And so Joseph starts walking out there. They start seeing Joseph come to him, to all of them. And they're like, oh, I can't stand this guy. You know that moment? You remember? I mean, you've been there before. Like, there's somebody coming you totally don't want to hang out with, and you're texting the person that you're sitting with or hanging out with. Like, I said, how are we going to get out of this? we got to go. Like, like. What is going to, we've got to get out of this. So Joseph's coming to them, and as he's walking to them, they say, hey, let's kill him. That's brotherly love. You know what I'm saying? That's where it's at right there. Let's kill our brother. And everybody's like, yeah, let's kill him. And then one of the brothers is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not kill him. Let's make some cash off of him. Let's sell. He goes, yeah, good idea. (laughs) Cool. And so they say, let's sell him and we'll all make money. And so he shows up, they beat him up, they take his coat and they throw him into into a bottom of a huge well. And that's where we left it last week. And that's where I want to pick up right now. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 39. Genesis 39, verse 1. So they ended up selling him for super cheap at the Dollar General. Went, went on clearance. He was in the back of the store. I mean, he was super cheap. And he got sold into slavery. Verse 1, Genesis 39, verse 1 says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So he was 17 when he was put into the well and whenever he was picked up. He now has been waiting for a job for 11 years. Let's go back even further to last week, what we talked about. Joseph had two dreams. Those two dreams pretty much said that his family at one point is going to bow down to him and he's going to be very high up. Now, these two dreams fired Joseph up so much so that he was telling his brothers and his family about them and they hated that he was having those dreams. Like, Joseph, shut your mouth. We don't care about your dreams, you weirdo. He's like, no, listen, 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 listen. And he kept telling the dream. When Joseph had these dreams, he was excited. He was in a great place of leadership. He was pumped. And then life happens. Bad things happen. 
He was put in a place for 11 years. Most people, when you have a fantastic idea of where you're going and you have a plan for your life and you're thinking, this is what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden, your life takes a turn for 11 years, what would your response be? Some people would say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the dream alive. Or you know, whenever you have an idea and you're excited about something and you say, hey, whatever that is, and someone says, that's really dumb. Or you say, man, I, th- I think that God wants me to do this, and you're like, and someone else comes to you like, no, that's not gonna happen. Or like this guy that was denied by the USC film school, Steven Spielberg. Or the guy that was cut from his high school basketball team, Michael Jordan. Or the guy that was denied by 27 different publishers, Dr. Seuss. Or a guy that was fired by his newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and creativity, Walt Disney. Or the person that was fired as a tech executive, Steve Jobs. Or the person that was told they will never, ever be able to preach because they failed or got a D in their preaching class. Somebody told this guy, me, that you know what? You will never, ever be able to speak to kids or teenagers or adults because of everything that you have done in your life and the things that you have gone through. That you will never work at a church. And so really, you just need to be a sports agent. What if all of those people decided to give up on their dream because somebody else said no? What if? And what about you? What about me? How many things has God said to us? And we just said, you know what? It's not going to work out because somebody else didn't believe in you or someone else said, or life happened and you just said, I don't have time for this. Not Joseph. He kept on dreaming, and he kept his dream alive, and bad things kept happening to him. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Huge. If you have your Bible, and a lot of you do, I want you to underline that. I want you to write that down. The Lord was with Joseph. He, had, he was doing nothing for 11 years. The Lord was with Joseph. Put your name in Joseph's spot right there. The Lord is with you right now if you've asked Christ into your heart. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Now this is somebody who was sold into slavery and he didn't know what he was going to do. He then gets picked up by this awesome Egyptian master and lives in this huge palace. Joseph stayed focused on his direction. Verse three, when the master saw that the Lord was with him, when the Egyptian guy that picked him up saw that Joseph was different than everybody else and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, everything that Joseph touched turned to go, everything. It was like, what is, this guy is outstanding. He's doing a great job. Everybody likes him. He smells good. He's just a cool dude. He is awesome. Verse four, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar, Potiphar's the Egyptian's name, the stud's name, which is, I've always thought like Potiphar, that's kind of like not a cool name, but whatever, it's cool. Potiphar put him in charge of his household 
and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Here's what's so awesome, is that Joseph, most people in Joseph's place would be like, man, now I gotta go here and be an attendant. I miss my brothers, I miss my family. They're all far away. I'm never gonna see him again. And here I am, this slave. But what happened was his message was loudest when he hurt the most. You wanna win people to Christ? You wanna show Jesus to people? Then when you are hurting the most, people watch you. And your message about him is loudest when you're going through that. And that was Joseph. Even though he was going through it, God was totally using him. Verse five, from time from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household. Again, he just keeps saying everything Joseph did. He's really cool. He's awesome. He's the golden child. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So even, it even bled into Potiphar's life. Everything that Potiphar was a part of, the guy that bought Joseph, even his everything started turning to gold. I mean, it was just a great time. This is awesome. Joseph's like, hey, things are good. Things are great. Verse six, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The reason that he gave Joseph control of everything except the food is because he was a slave and he didn't trust him that he would poison his food. Genius, because that happened. Some of the slaves would poison their master's food. That is rude. Okay. Continuing in verse six. Now Joseph was hot. That's what it says in the MHV, Michael Head version. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Joseph was a good looking dude. And after a while, his master's wife took notice. Underline that. Write that down. Took notice of Joseph and said, Let's go to sleep. <laughs> he actually says, she says, come to bed with me, exclamation point. The word took notice, you can substitute that for checked him out. She was checking him out. So much so that her eyes got her in trouble. Verse 8 but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. I can see him like, look, I don't know, I can't do this because, and he's just, he's just nervous, he's just talking. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Here's what Joseph doesn't have. He doesn't have a pastor that he can talk to when life gets hard. He doesn't have a youth ministry of people that love the Lord that he can lean on. He has no accountability group. He has no church. He is fully relying on God in this moment. Verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, she never gave up. She never gave up. 
He's cleaning, you know, the back porch. He's like, hey, Joe. I can't do it. You know, he freaks out. Ah! And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. She was the first real desperate housewife. Nobody wakes up and says this. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what? Today, I am going to commit adultery. Today, I am going to sin horribly against God and ruin my life. Today, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to choose to do whatever that may be. People normally, normally, they don't do that. She checked him out. She cast her eyes on him. Temptation always starts with our eyes. Temptation is always starting first through our eyes. Why the enemy is so smart. He has an amazing tackle box and he can just throw that lure in the water and just try to get us however he wants. And he can change it based on where we're at, based on the weather, based on the clouds, based on who we're with, based on where we are. He can throw that out there and just wait for you to bite on that hook. He is very smart. And it actually says that in Genesis about the enemy. The enemy is Satan and he's very real and he wants to destroy all of us. Right now, some of you He's not wanting you to hear even what God is trying to tell you in this moment because there's distraction and there's lures that he's putting in front of you right now. He is smart. And there's a lot of times people will say, hey, Michael, well, how far is too far in my relationships? How far can I go? Well, purity is not a line. Purity is not a line. Talking about staying pure. Right here we see Joseph fighting for purity. We see Joseph saying, no, woman. And they're hanging out alone in the house. He could have done whatever he wanted to in that house. But he didn't. Purity is not a line, it's a direction. Purity is not a line, it's a direction. Stop worrying about how far can I go and start changing your direction toward him. It is a direction Because the truth is, if there is a line, we get up to the line, we're like, oh, and then we lose our mind, and then we are like, how did I get where I'm at? That's how we are with the line. Like when if someone says, hey, by the way, your plate's hot, and you're like, it was hot. Why do we do that? I don't know. It's what we do. It's just, it's just normal. You're like, I've never done that. Well, I have a lot. And my kids do it now, and I'm like, why would you do that? They're like, well, you did it. I was like, ah. When you're talking about purity, there's two choices on the shelf. There's two choices on the shelf when you're talking about purity. It's to please God or please yourself. Which are you going to choose? Again, it's a direction. It's not a line. You're going to please God or please yourself when it comes to temptation. Which one do you choose? Do you choose to please yourself or do you choose to please God? For me, I have put up guardrails in my life. Guardrails are those things that you see all over the highway. Matter of fact, on Saturday, they were fixing a guardrail on Mason off the highway, off I-10, because someone ran into the guardrail. 
I have set up guardrails in my life for purity. Why? Because I know myself. Because I know I'm a sinner. I know that the enemy wants to destroy me. The enemy would love for me to fail. And then on Twitter, you see Michael Head, whatever. And everybody's like, oh, I can't believe that. And there's just, just, and then I not only let down all of you, I let down, I feel like, most of all, God, my family, and all of you. And so what have I done? Because I seriously love the Lord with all of my heart is I put guardrails in my life. And a lot of people, including my wife, thinks these are a little bit extreme, but I know myself. One of those, I never ride in an elevator alone with another female, ever. And people think it's weird. Like, <laughs> this is real life. Like, I'll be getting on an elevator and some other person's coming. I'm like, close the door, close the door, close the door, close the door. I'm sorry. Or you're like, that's so rude. I can't believe you do that. Well, hey. I'm choosing God, not myself. Like, well, what's going to go on the elevator? Nothing. But the truth is, I don't want anybody to see and think anything about me doing anything in the stinking elevator. I want to live my life above reproach. It's not legalistic. It's smart because the enemy wants to destroy me. There have been times when I've been on an elevator, a female walks in with like just coming in, and I'm like, hey, I, <laughs> wrong floor, and I walk out like, you know, and then I'll go up and it's like, she's, oh, sorry, oh, weird. Not a, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's a bad day. I'll do that. I never ride alone with another female except my wife and kids, ever. I don't do it. I've never done it since I put these guardrails up and I am so glad. Why? Why not? Smart. Girls are crazy. And then other people see that and say, oh, Michael Head was in a car with, what were they doing? They were going to Pizza Hut. What? I never go alone to lunches or dinners or anything, Starbucks, whatever it is, alone with another woman, another girl, ever. You'll never see it. If you do, I've lost my mind. Michael, what's wrong with you? And you help me, you bail me out. I never text really anybody after 11 o'clock, especially females. I can't believe you didn't text me back. Nah. Sorry. I was asleep. That's a lie. I was on my phone like this. <laughs> I do that every time, but that's real. The phone does. <laughs> the problem is, the truth is, I think sometimes in our lives, we don't have guardrails, but you know those bumps that are in the road, if you kind of go too far to the left or the right, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, you're like, you know, if you're asleep, not that you would sleep and drive, but you're like, and you're like, I just hit myself twice, what is wrong with me? Anyways, but that was driving, you hit yourself. But some of us are on those road bumps right now, you're hitting them, but for some reason you started to ignore them and they've become the norm in your life. When God's like, hey, it's time to wake up because you're real close to falling off the edge and the enemy knows that and he wants you to. And so you need to put guardrails up in all areas of your life. The best way to find out how to do that, number one is to pray. 
If you're not sure how to pray, you can podcast our most recent series on prayer. You can go to iTunes and download that and listen to it. Prayer is simply a conversation with our Lord and Savior. Lord, help me to put up guardrails. Be real. I think sometimes as Christians, we act like I'm perfect. I don't sin. I have no issues. I'm not tempted. I am Jesus. No, you're not. Thank you that you're not. That's a good situation. But just be real. You struggle. It's okay. You're a normal human being. If you try to hide everything and say you don't have any issues, you don't have any problems, the man, the enemy's like, yeah, keep doing that. Be real. Pray, be real, and surround yourself with people that keep you accountable. I have two people in my life that check up on me every other week, and I hate it. I see them calling like, no. One of them doesn't even live in the state. But I'm telling you, it is huge for me. Who keeps you accountable? Not your girlfriend or boyfriend, by the way. My girlfriend, my accountability partner. No, she's not. She don't want to keep you accountable. <laughs> Verse 11. One day he went to the house to attend and do his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. He's alone. Verse 12. She, she doesn't have a name, okay? We'll just call her she. Miley caught him by his cloak <laughs> and said, come to bed with me. He's like, I'm not tired. But he, <laughs> but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. The first, the, we got the first streaker right here, right here. He's like, ah, gone. Just, he's just running. He's living out, he's living out that verse in Thessalonians that says, flee from sexual immorality. He is out just, ah, just gone, all right? He is, he is out. <laughs> Verse 13, when she saw that he had, this is such a weird sentence to me, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, like, I guess she didn't know that, but she saw, she's like, what in the world? <laughs> and had run out of the house. She called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make us, to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Here's what she said in 2018. I was just raped by that guy who ran out of here. Joseph was just accused for the very thing that he worked his whole entire life not to be accused of. He was just accused of it. And by the way, Potiphar, the guy's house that he's living at is the one that decides who is executed. He is that guy. And she is his wife. And now Joseph is about to be put in jail again. It's crazy that Joseph lost his coat, but he never lost his character. It's also crazy that he lost his position, but he didn't lose his purity. And he lost his job, but he didn't lose his joy. And when we lose things and things happen to us, what is our response? How do we react? 
And we see here with Joseph, man, he's just like, God is with me. We are called as Christians to live a life of honor and influence. We are. And the enemy doesn't want you to do that. Your life is a huge fishbowl that is a Christian. Everybody is watching you. Everybody wants you to be destroyed. Everybody's looking at you like, oh yeah, they went to that party and they did whatever. Oh, they don't, when they come to church, they're just coming to whatever. Everybody is watching you, especially the enemy. The enemy does not want you here right now. And for some of you, for some of you, you're like, I can't believe that I'm here right now. It doesn't even make sense how I got here. Here's the deal. Temptation's gonna happen. And it happens all the time. I don't know where it happens. I don't know how it happens for you, but it happens. And that's okay, you're normal. But here's what happens when temptation comes your way. Is you look Jesus right in the face. You're like, I don't see him. And you say, hey, I'm gonna choose this over this. Because what if Joseph chose Potiphar's wife? What if Joseph chose to not tell his family his dreams? What if you don't choose to do that temptation? What if tonight is the night that you have been struggling so much with something? Tonight is the night that you say, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm seriously done with it. I'm finished whatever that is. Or tonight is the night that you gain the confidence to look whatever, whoever, wherever it is and say, no more, I'm choosing Christ. You look at the shelf, please yourself or please him. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. You're on a road right now. Some of you are here in the bumps. Some of you are kind of edging over. Some of you are just crushing. You're in cruise control and like, let's go. What direction are you going? 